Hello and welcome to a live edition of the Cyclone Insider Podcast and live stream. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson coming to you on a Thursday afternoon ahead of Iowa State's season opener on Saturday at 1 o'clock against Northern Iowa. Randy, let's jump right in. I think the biggest thing to discuss right now will be the quarterback situation. Who's going to be the starter? Who's going to play? How much? Seems like a lot is on the table uh, for a position that, what, five months ago, six months ago, we thought was Hunter Deckers's to uh, take that next step forward after his first year as a starter, but instead Iowa State starting over at the position, likely with either Rocco Becht or J.J. Cole with some Tanner Hughes potentially thrown into the mix as well. Wow. Yeah, you're right, Travis. Um, good to be with you again. Um it's it's going to be interesting, to, like you said, to see who starts. I, my gut reaction is to go with the the veteran of all of three games, Rocco Beck. I think that's all he's played. Um, but I don't know. Um, I, I say that because do you want to throw a true freshman, J.J. Cole, out there against uh, against Northern Iowa in the opener? And if, in fact, stuff should go wrong, how do you gauge how that will affect, could affect his his confidence going forward? Um, but yet then at one point yesterday or the day before yesterday, I see that, that J.J. Cole was on a quote-unquote watch list for some freshman of the year award. Um, and Iowa State certainly had to have put him up for that. So would they have done that without – without knowing that they're, they're going to play him this year and fairly early this year. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm still going to say that they're going to go with the, the experienced, the, the more experienced guy. What do you make of Campbell saying on Tuesday that none of the three, although I think we're specifically talking about Cole and Beck here had done enough to separate themselves from the pack. Is that, to me, uh, like that caught my attention. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, other, but it, it's definitely not a good thing, right? It would be better if Rocco Beck or J.J. Cole was clearly the guy, head and shoulders above the other two, and they were rolling into this game on Saturday with clear eyes about what they were going to do at that quarterback position. You, you, the, the flip side could be, well, they've both just been really good. But to me, that... That was an interesting comment from Campbell. What did you make of that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought about that. Um, and I, you know, I think we both try to find positives as, as much as we can. But I, it's tough in that one um, because, okay, last year, Iowa State struggled at the quarterback position. There's no question about that. If Rocco Beck was good enough to put in there in key situations, then I think they'd have done it. Um Kind of like and, Deckers. And apparently, for at least a couple of games, Becht was number three on the depth chart. Yes, exactly, exactly. And we don't know exactly what happened there, but I I don't know whether there was injury situations or what. So this year, I man, it's hard to it's hard to fathom making that much of a jump from being potentially number at number three at times last year to being you know, to, to running away with it this year in, in camp, which makes me th believe then that th 
the reason it's so close and the fact that JJ is, is just a true freshman. The reason it's so close is, is because neither one of them is, is that standout type quarterback. I don't think it's close because, and this is just a guess because we don't see practice. I'm not certain it's close because they're both been playing great. I think it's close because they're, because neither one has been, has been great. And both have, have shown flashes of being fairly good. That's, that's just my guess. And, I could be totally wrong on that, and and uh, um, you know that's one of the factors that that we have that we just go with when without being able to see practice, without being able to evaluate some things on our own. Um, so I, I think I kind of halfway agree with you that it's close because neither one of them are are consistently great. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, too, that Campbell's talked about wanting to see from one of those guys is the ability to lead the team and the ability to take care of the ball. Being a rookie quarterback or a rookie starter, both those things are really hard to do, right? But in terms of leadership, you know, it's hard when you don't have the on-field validation that usually has to accompany being a leader. And it's hard when you're a freshman or have played three games like Rocco Beck to take care of the ball because the game moves really fast. Defenses are complicated and the game's hard. So I, I think to me, that's probably the biggest holdup is that neither of those guys are naturally situated just given the nature of who they are and the circumstances they're in to, to step into that role as a leader and as a guy that's going to take care of the ball. Cause it's, both those things are hard to do as either a true freshman in J.J. Cole's situation or as a guy that was a backup a year ago in Rocco Beck's situation. And again, you know, we saw Matt Campbell pull Brock Purdy from an Iowa right, game yeah. in 2021. We never saw them pull Hunter Deckers other than in a blowout or in an injury with that TCU game. I don't know what that means, but I feel like it is an indication of how they felt how much better Deckers was than Becht a year ago. Now that's that's a year ago that those things can change, but I think when you look at this, like they probably want it to be JJ Cole, right? You want it to be mm -hmm. the six foot seven, two hundred and fifty pounder, four star recruit, top ten quarterback in the country that was an early enrollee. That's a local kid. Like there's a lot set up that has four years of eligibility remaining. Like all that, if if JJ Cole can win that job, that's a probably a good thing for Iowa State football in the long term, whether it's on the field or on the recruiting trail. Uh, which again doesn't mean that they're going to hand him the job. I very much doubt that. But I think like that's the best case scenario, right? Is that the true freshman stud recruit from the local area wins the job, right? Like that's probably what the ideal scenario is if you're Matt Campbell. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, it's while the goal this year, and Campbell made that very clear this year, not real clear, but he did finally say it on Tuesday at the press conference that yes, the goal is to get to a bowl game. Um, but well, sort of because he said the goal is to win the game. Exactly, so. sort of. Yeah, I mean, he had to be pushed a little bit on that one. <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, let's just assume that that's that that's the goal. Um, but while also this is such a young team that there's also a factor of 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 um preparing for next year also of gaining some momentum 
going into the next season with all the underclassmen that will play. I think there's, I think there's 40 redshirt sophomores or juniors on the depth chart and go ahead, use insert the word worthless. That's fine. But nonetheless, there's that many. And I, I want to say the depth chart, not the players, right? Randy, the, de the depth charts worthless. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks. Yes. I need a, you can edit my stuff on Saturday yeah. too now, <laughs> but uh, somebody's got to um, getting back to the leader, the leader thing. Yeah. A quarterback should be the leader without question. Brock Purdy was, was the kind of leader at that position that we haven't seen at Iowa state in a long, long time. If ever, Oh my gosh. But, and we never saw that out of Hunter Deckers. Zero percent saw any leadership capabilities whatsoever. I mean, we watched, both of us watch body language. We never saw that with Hunter Deckers. Now, to go along with what you say, and I agree 100 percent, Campbell has been saying he, he's looking for a leader at that position. How do you become a leader at that position when you haven't even played, essentially, not played a game, a, a, a meaningful, a meaningful, taking meaningful snaps. I don't, I don't know whether you can or not. So it's going to be, it's a, it's a tough call for, for shield. And I, well, I assume shield house is 50% of that call. And that's going to be interesting too, because of the new offensive coordinator, Nate shield house. So it's going to be, it's going to be an area. I think it's safe to say, I think what we do know trap is that both quarterbacks are going to play and I don't know whether they're going to play three or not. But I would say two quarterbacks play for sure. Which let, let's talk about that. I think yeah. obviously I don't know any fan, coach, anybody that's even watched a game of football that would say playing two quarterbacks can lead to good results. It is usually a situation of last resort. And assuming we take Campbell at his word that they're going to play at least two and maybe three on Saturday, I think, again, that does not – speak to a lot of confidence right off the bat does not give me a lot of confidence into what you could maybe see from that quarterback position on Saturday. Because again, if you, a guy had separated himself, he would have separated himself. And when you're <laughs> running guys in and out, and to me, like the other part of this is if you had a situation where they were vastly different players, they'd look very different with Rocco being like six, one and JJ being six, seven, but I've asked, Running backs, right. I've asked offensive linemen, I've asked Nate Shieldhouse, uh, wide receivers, like, are their games different? You know, is there things that Rocco does that JJ can't, or and vice versa? And the answer has been no, that they're pretty similar players despite the different physical attributes. And to me, if you're going to play two quarterbacks, you could talk yourself into it. It's if quarterback A gives us the ability to run X, Y, and Z plays where player B allows us to run this other set of plays. And I asked Campbell about it on Tuesday. You know, are there different packages for each player to highlight their strengths? And it was like, no, we felt like you don't, we don't have to change what we're doing with these two quarterbacks, which, again, that, I think that is not encouraging. Again, may, we haven't seen practice. We've never seen either of these quarterbacks play meaningful snaps. So who the hell knows? But generally speaking, in a situation like this, it would be a pretty big red flag about what's going on at that position. Now we'll find out here in what 48 hours. If, if these fears would be justified or if you and I are full of it, which often happens, but I mean, that would be my from 30,000 feet when you're playing two quarterbacks 
when they're not differentiated from a skill set position, that does not speak of strength at that position, which maybe is okay given the youth at that position. I don't think anybody's expecting a uh, all-American quarterback at Iowa State in 2023 anyway. It's not like it's not like Joe Lanning and who Jacob Park or Joe Lanning and Kyle Kemp or or Joe Lanning and and throw in who you want to because when Iowa State played Joe Lanning, you knew they were gonna it was they were gonna be a quarterback run first team. We don't know that, but the thing is, neither does Northern Iowa, and and I this is another thing that makes me think that that maybe Campbell might have been telling the truth on Tuesday that as of Tuesday, they really did not know who was going to be the quarterback because why keep it a secret from Northern Iowa? There's no tape on these dudes anyway, essentially. I mean, Campbell um, lied about an offensive lineman being injured for an entire season. So I, that would I be Trevor Downing. <laughs> I, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't worry too much about uh, – or uh, I wouldn't underestimate a yeah, college coach's paranoia or ability – to seek an edge where it may not actually exist. But I don't know how, what an edge that could be. I mean, I, I mean I'm not disagreeing with you, but you know, I know, I know that I don't think like football coaches. No, I, I know that. And thank goodness um, to be quite honest with you, but um, there's not going to be a, at least from what we hear now, we've not seen it. There's not going to be a significant difference in the packages. There's not going to be a, a JJ package or a Rocco package. Um, the, the line's going to be, trying to block the same way. The running backs are going to be trying to run through the same holes the same way. They're going to run the same routes. The receivers are, I I'm with you, Travis. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I certainly, but I, I really think we're going to see two quarterbacks and hopefully it's not one of those programmed things where um, Rocco takes this. It's like a, like an exhibition NFL game where they're programmed. Quarterback A starts the first quarter. Quarterback B goes in the second quarter. Whoever's whoever's got the best stats or doing the doing the best with the team starts the third quarter, um, or or plays parts of they they or they both play in the same quarter. I don't. I hope we don't see that. I I, I do. If if we if we do see that, then we're pretty sure that that neither one has separated obviously, and that it's because neither one of them have been consistently great enough to gain the coaches' confidence during fall ball. Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest way to describe this from the way you and I are viewing it is it's just a continuation of the competition, right? Yes. They didn't feel like they got their guy coming out of fall camp. They didn't obviously have, you know, both Rocco and JJ were there for the spring, but Hunter Deckers was taking the the QB1 snaps. So I think when you look at this as the – if it is the way that Campbell described it and the way that we're envisioning it, I think it's probably a continuation of the the competition to how long that's sustainable to where when you got to just pick somebody, it's a good question. But I think again, like we've seen Campbell be pretty ruthless. And I say that as a compliment with his Mm -hmm. quarterbacks of making a decision to change or switch things when he feels like he needs to. So I don't worry I wouldn't worry too much if I'm an Iowa State fan about him being indecisive about one of these guys. I think the evidence now suggests that neither of them have been good enough to earn the job outright, and so they're going to continue the competition. And I think it's worth mentioning now as we begin this season with Iowa State coming off a 4-8 and eight season a year ago, losing a lot of good players off that team to the NFL draft, 
to uh, the professional ranks, and then an additional five starters to the gambling probe, that all the analysis and the evaluation has to be taken all that into context. So I don't think, you know, we talked about it on the radio show on Monday, Randy, you can have a goal of six wins. I think that can be a realistic hope and goal, but ultimately you're looking at a program that was not a football team that was not very good last year, lost a lot of close games. Yes. But then lost a ton off that team and is not replacing it with, you know, going wild in the transfer portal and having all these experienced talented guys step in it's a lot of youth it's a lot of inexperience that may ultimately prove to be talented and put this program back on the trajectory it was before last year but i think when you're looking at all of this and evaluating it you got to do it with an eye of looking at growth and progress as the number one concern rather than necessarily the win and loss. The win and loss has got to be important. It's got to be discussed. It's results business. But I don't think I think that you have to probably zoom out with this team a little bit and see, you know, the forest through the trees in a different way than like that 2021 team. It's all go win football games. That's what you got to do. Go win football games. This is a different situation. You if you're an Iowa State fan, if you're Matt Campbell, you want to go win football games. But I think there are more long-term considerations here in terms of evaluating where this team is at and where the program will be at going forward. Yes, and I think we can say the same thing at running back also, where you've got Cartavius Norton and Eli Sanders among the five oars, whatever it was, four oars on the on the depth chart. I don't – I'm not – taking too much into consideration regarding the others playing a lot below those two because those guys need action. They need reps, game reps, because they didn't, they played last year, but they didn't prove that they can be every down backs either. So there's a situation, there's, there's that same situation there trying to win this season and developing for the future because everybody in that, in that running back room is, is running backs room is young and stuff that's coming out of that's coming out of that came out of out of scrimmages is that Abu Sama may have looked as good as any of them. And here he's a true freshman. So they've got it's that it's that same thing, although the running back position is probably not as as significantly important as far as the team is concerned, because it doesn't handle the ball as much as a quarterback. Nonetheless, that's a huge position because given a healthy running back position last year, that could have put Iowa State in position to win some of those one score, at least a couple of those one score games that we saw them lose. So, so, um, um, you know, so it was so bad. I mean, that, that missed field goals, drop, drop passes, um, a, a, a healthy running game may have been able to push the chains for another first down or so on a drive for a, a kept the possession alive. So I think, I think there's a situation at the running backs as well. I really think the only, the only true veteran position on the offense is the offensive line where there's only going to be one new starter in there, I think supposedly. And, but yet that position probably has to improve as much, if not any position on the, on the, on the whole team. So it's not just a quarterback thing. Um, 
where where Campbell has has decisions to make. It it's it's throughout throughout the offense. Let me back up. The receivers are are very good too. All are very good also. I mean, I don't think there's any problem at the receiver, and that includes a tight end because I'm fully expecting Easton to de- Easton Dean to have the kind of season that that we thought he he was going to have. And and I, I'll forever remember that quote that Campbell said when they transfer when they transitioned Easton Dean from quarterback to to tight end saying that he could be one of the best tight ends Iowa State has well it's time for him to to um, to show that as well so I think there's just a lot of places on the offense um, where we don't know exactly what's going on there um, nobody has has come out and run away with with the um, position and says I'm the I'm the guy I'm the dude nobody's done that to the best of my knowledge and I think the other thing to remember is, you know, you take recruiting rankings for what they're worth, but that the staff has continued to recruit at a high level. Yeah. And so these young players, you know, theoretically are going to be talented and they're going to have a chance to succeed. But I think if you're an Iowa State fan, you got to be prepared to see the good and to see the bad because that's usually what you see with young players is you see the flash you see like, oh, okay, that dude's got a chance to be a dude. But then you also see the drop pass, the missed assignment, the lack of being able to have that 100% concentration for 60 minutes of football. That stuff is really hard to do your first time trying to do it. And I think that's, again, got to be an undercurrent of all the evaluations of this team. With Randy, let's switch sides to the defense we've talked so much about the youth on the offense and obviously it all stems from the quarterback position, but you get away from that secondary for Iowa state. There's not a lot of experience on that side of the ball. No, you're right there. It, it, it's um, the all hope the whole defensive line is going to be new. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be good because I guess maybe that, excuse me, we've been used to that, that, Defensive line being good with Eli Rashid, probably the most um, under, I don't want to say underappreciated, but probably doesn't get the the notoriety he deserves <coughs> from, from us, quite possibly, for the job he does with that defensive line. Um, so I, I guess we're assuming he's going to put together another good defensive line. Um, but We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. The secondary is, is spectacular, should be spectacular. It's got all of the, the ingredients to be one of the top defensive back position groups in, um, in college, in, in the conference at least. So yeah, it's, it's that, it's the front guys that, that we're going to keep an eye on. Um, and J.R. Singleton was we got to speak to him at, at Victory Day for about 10 minutes or so. And I I, I was really pretty impressed with him. I and mean, he was kind of laying it on the line um, about about how he's the the old guy. And what is he, a redshirt soft, a redshirt junior or something or other? The old guy in that room amid, amongst a bunch of young guys. And so that's that defensive line is pretty is pretty typical of the rest of the team. They've got a veteran or two, and then they've got a bunch of young guys. 
So, um, and we've heard about Dominic Orange for a long time. We've heard about Tyler. I'm going to mess up the last name. Oni Indum for a long time. We've heard about we've heard about those guys. We know Gary Bond at linebacker is going to be good. Is that what about the Missouri transfer Zach Lovett? We don't know a whole lot about him. Um, um, and Jack Sadowski apparently lost the job to a true freshman to a true freshman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was just gonna say it with Jack Sadowski too. Yeah. But I assume that's a position that where there's going to be a lot of in and out, which there usually is. That's what that's, that's usually the, the MO with coach Tyson Vite at that position to get a lot of guys in and out and, and it's could pay off this year. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, Think make of the offense or the defense, other than to say it's 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 going to be the best side of the ball on this team again, um, and which which is fine. I'd like to see some turnovers. I'd like to see turnovers turned into um, um, touchdowns. But uh, um, you know those, those are special type plays, special type players, and don't come around all the time. But I guess I guess we'll just have to see because I think there's going to be enough opportunities on Saturday for the secondary to um, enough opportunities to, for the secondary to, to at least get, get some balls thrown their way because with, with Theo day and everything we've heard from him, he's not afraid to, he's not uh, afraid to, to heave it long. Yeah. I think when it comes to the defense, if you want to just give the benefit of the doubt to John Haycock, if you want to give the benefit of the doubt to Tyson Vite and Eli Rashid at their positions, I think they've probably earned it. Uh, but I do think, you know, when you look beyond, like, these guys will figure it out. I do get a little worried if I'm an Iowa State fan just because you look at that too deep and it's a bunch of guys who haven't played. And that makes the start of the year, I think, a little bit scary because even if you do – and I, I think there is a lot of talent there. And, I, you know, we heard Haycock talk about how some of the young guys on the defensive front, you know, look to him like they could be the next Jaquan Bailey. They could be the next uh, Will McDonald. And – John is not a guy that dispenses with praise and compliments, especially to that degree, lightly. So when he's saying that, it's for good reason. But I would say, you know, Will McDonald and Jaquan Bailey, like, weren't made overnight. It took a while for them to become the guys who they ultimately were. And, you know, what's going to be the learning curve for these new guys? What's going to be the learning curve for Jack Sadowski, for Carson Willich at the, tight, at the uh, linebacker position? What's going to be the learning curve for everybody up front? You know, even guys who have played a little, you know, they weren't MJ Anderson and they weren't Will McDonald and they weren't Isaiah Lee. And it'll be, you know, I think Orange, obviously, and Singleton have played a decent amount of football at Iowa State. So there may be a little bit in their own category, but it's just a lot of inexperience at critical positions. And, you know, we heard Haycock say it on Tuesday. When do you play your best is when you're playing fast. And you play your fastest when you know what you're doing. And a lot of these guys may think they know what they're doing, but are they really going to know when they're lined up against another team? You know, whether it's you and I on Saturday or Iowa next week or what is that, Baylor or Oklahoma State to end uh, September? You know, that's where things get hard. And then, you know, you're into September, you're into October. And once you get into October, those guys have probably had enough reps to where they do know what they're doing. But when you look at this Iowa State schedule, like it doesn't start off easily. So that, to me, will be something to watch. Because, again, I think, you know, Haycock, Vite, Rashid, those guys have 
you know, turned out turned out enough productive defenses, have produced enough star players, legitimate star players at their positions that to think that they won't be able to do it with this new level of recruits or this new batch of recruits, a lot of whom are very highly recruited, you're probably being ungenerous with what those guys have done with their track record. But I do think at the same time, it's fair to say maybe they'll get there eventually, but you can have some doubt about are they going to be there on September 2nd. Let's talk about – I want to ask you this question, Travis, as we as we move forward here. What about um, Iowa State fourth and five at the 15-yard line or 10 or 20-yard line or whatever? Um, probably the 15 or 20-yard line. Okay, fourth and five, lined up to kick a field goal. Are you confident that field goal is going to go through, going to be good? Uh. I don't know. I've never seen Chase Contreras kick. So, yeah, uh, that's that's my point. We're going to see. We talk about all the newcomers that we're going to see on the offense, on the defense, and that was my point here. And you played right into it. That was my point. We don't know anything about that thing, that stuff either. But Chase Contreras is going to be the kicker. I mean, to transfer from from um, Nebraska, Nebraska. Yeah, where he didn't even play last year. He's two for four in his career at Nebraska. Didn't even play last year, but he played. But he played. Um, he came over from Iowa Western, where he was pretty good. I think he was a second team junior college All American, and his longest was he hit a couple in the forties. Um, so that's another one of those instances that I don't know whether whether we're going to feel confident enough that the ball's going through. I mean, with Andrew Mebus, we knew we knew that was going to be good, but we knew he was going to make them. But we don't know that because. And last year with Iowa State losing whatever it was three or four games where a field goal could have where it was the difference that that could be important because those three or four games last year could have been could have been opportunities to to reach to to reach a bowl game so i'm agreeing with you we don't know anything there either and chase Contreras, we're gonna we assume he's gonna be the guy but um and we've who you know people want to know about jace gilbert i think you maybe asked the question on tuesday i think campbell said we may see him kicking off sometimes so that's wow. So they they it sounds like they've got must have a lot of confidence in Chase Contreras because he hasn't even kicked for two years. Yeah, I mean we'll see on Saturday because you're right, Randy. That the way that these guys play football, their field goals are going to matter, and your decision about whether you try a field goal or you go for it on that fourth and five is going to matter. And with all the close games Iowa State wants to play, they got to make their field goals and. I don't have a lot to add because when it comes to kickers, it's, you know, put up or shut up, you know, you make it or you don't for the most part. Um, and I imagine we'll see Contreras on Saturday at least once, if not uh, multiple times throughout the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a critical position. You know, it sounds like Keegan Shackford was in the mix there. Jace Gilbert was in the mix there uh, as well throughout camp. So they've got some options, but, Again, I, I don't know that you know. Having not been able to watch practice, having never watched Chase Contreras kick, it's going to be make or miss. You know, they say the NBA is a make or miss league, but there's nothing more make or miss than being a field goal kicker. And we're going to, uh, my guess would be, we're going to run into that immediately because it just seems like Iowa State is always in uh, those tight games, those close situations, and in those margins where three points goes a hell of a long way. Yes. And, and on fourth and five, 
probably not fourth and five, but fourth and three or so with Shieldhouse calling, calling the offense now, do they go for it? And what play do they call? Um, you know, last year, the last few years with Tom Manning calling plays, or at least being the offensive coordinator, I'm still not convinced that the coordinator calls all the plays. I think we know what coordinator doesn't, but nonetheless, we were still pretty, pretty sure what plays we were going to see or what versions of plays we were going to see. And if you or I, if you and I were sure of it, you better believe that the opposite, that the opponents were this year in the early games, at least nobody has a clue outside the locker room, what shield house is, um, is going to do. I asked Shieldhouse just, we were just happy talking at, at victory day a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him, you know, just, just the two of us were talking. I asked him, I said, so what are your, what's your first play going to be in the Northern Iowa game? And he kind of looked at me and he said, he, he said, he can tell me pretty much tell me what plays three through five or three through five are going to be, but the first two plays, he has no clue right now. And I, of course I, did whatever a reporter would do, followed up with, with the question, what are plays three for three through five? And he wouldn't respond, obviously, but but um it's gonna be curious to see how what changes, if anything, in that respect as well, because they changed offensive coordinators for a reason. Um, and Nate is gonna bring in, we've heard from players say this, a breath of freshness to the offense um that it needed. Um you know, he's not that far removed from from actually being a very good player at Illinois. So I think that's a situation also where where we don't know what the hell's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised with how little we've talked about the offensive coordinator uh, this preseason. But obviously, the gambling situation, the quarterback situation, the running back situation kind of subsumed uh, all that discussion because – going to be very interesting to see how that offense performs on Saturday, not only because of new players at critical position, because but also because of Nate Shieldhouse as the offensive coordinator. I guess I am not anticipating this offense to look vastly different. It'll be interesting to see what the level of aggression is. You know, I think the, the lack of aggression I in the past, at least in terms of stretching the ball down the field, going forward on fourth down, I would probably attribute more to Campbell than Manning. So we'll see if that continues on Saturday and beyond. But, uh, yeah, I don't have a great idea of how different this offense is going to be. My initial thought is probably not uh, hugely different, given what we've heard uh, from Campbell and Shieldhouse and Ohio State players. Yeah, and and just to um, – uh, Iowa State's going to be facing a very good quarterback also. We know that. And that's a good – it's good prep work. <laughs> for Iowa State, given the fact that they're going to be playing a lot of good quarterbacks this year. I mean, especially in the first two games, assuming Kate McNamara plays in Cyhawk, which I'm presuming he will. Um, so that's 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 a good good experience for those guys. I'm not certain the offensive line is going to get a whole lot of, of – of, or the defensive line will get a whole lot of push on those guys. But, but that's not Iowa State's MO anyway, really. It, uh, they're not a huge sacking team, although – like you pointed out to me a couple of times, they just happened to have the career sack leader twice in the Big 12. But as a as a team, um, that's that's you're not going to see a whole lot of um, blitzing from from linebackers or 
or whatever. But uh, um, one other thing I'd like to see from Iowa State on Saturday is let's see something out of the return teams as well. And, and I'm assuming that the that uh, they've got the <clears throat> excuse me the kicking situations lined to the the situations lined up because there were some block a block punt or two last year. Um, they've got that fixed, but I want to see, I want to see Jalen Noel. I want to see him. I want to see him return a kick because he was a leading punt returner and leading kickoff returner last year for Iowa State. I want to see him return one. I, I, I do. I want to, I want to see him take it, take it all the way. That'd be, that'd be a good boost for the, for this um, special teams with, so they've got a special teams, a full-time special teams coach for a change. So I want to, I want to see that as well. Um, but, uh, and we know that Northern Iowa is a has Iowa State as well scouted as it possibly can. They're going to come in with that chip on their shoulder because because um, these are players that potentially that possibly weren't weren't um, recruited heavily by by large schools by the larger schools such as Iowa State such as Iowa. So they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder as they always do, um, and Iowa State's not seen. Um, Theo Day, that I could—I don't think he played against Iowa State two years ago. Maybe he did, but um, nonetheless, it's—it's—there's um, um, it, a whole lot of feeling out that's going to be going on there um, on both sides of the ball, both both sidelines, on what could be a somewhat warm afternoon tomorrow, one o'clock at or Saturday at uh, at Jack Trice. Iowa State opens the 2023 season at 1 o'clock at Jack Trice Stadium against Northern Iowa. We will see the starting debut of a quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, and a number of other positions across both sides of the ball for Iowa State in what figures to be, if nothing else, an interesting season for the Cyclones. You can read all about it on DesMoinesRegister.com. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. This has been the Cyclone Insider Podcast and live stream. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.